Welcome to the Cornerstone Church Podcast. We are glad you are taking advantage of this resource. If you would like to find out more information about our church or connect with us, go to cornerstonebv.org. You can also check us out on our Facebook page, at CornerstoneBV. We hope that the message today impacts your life and draws you closer in your walk with Christ. Amen. Good morning. How are we doing this morning? Everybody's doing okay? Look okay? All right. Um, so by faith, we have a, a couple of guys to look at today. Um, and they're, uh, there's some things in common, um, but the biggest thing that links them is, guess, uh, faith, yeah, uh, faith. You're right, faith. Good job. A for the day so far, right? But even more so, we're going to see that, that they, they both lived in a time of darkness, like their generations were described as wicked, uh, described as apart from God. And, and, and almost there was a, a, a sort of a, a loneliness in, in walking by faith in that darkness, right? So I could have probably just used the old flannel graph, but I like to paint. So a little Bob Ross for you, paint some happy, uh, faithful people. Any Bob Ross fans here? Anybody? Come on. Okay, good. My wife would disown you if you weren't. All right. So I want to paint a couple of people on here. This is going to represent our, uh, our two guys, okay? And what they did by walking by faith, not dripping it everywhere, okay, is they shined, right? And so though our generation may not be quite like they walked, right, there is darkness around us, isn't there? There is wickedness. There is that challenge. And the question is not just us cheering these two guys on, because it was a long time ago, but what about us, right? Will we walk by faith and shine the light of Christ in the darkness, right? And, and so what I want us to do is every time, and this has happened even just the last few nights with the moon. I mean, it's been pretty crazy, but anytime you're outside at night and you see the moon or you see a bright star or something, I want you to think about that. Is that me, right? Not physically, right? But am I shining like a light in the darkness? Because these two men did by faith. Let's pray. Lord, we, we come before you asking for your presence, Lord, asking for you to show us where we need to be challenged in our faith. Is it believing you, God? Is it drawing nearer to you? Is it an obedience factor, walking with you? Lord, show us today as we leave here, be changed by your word, that we can look to Enoch and to Noah and their faith, as two individuals that struggled and had flaws just like us, but they were marked by faith. God, we plead with you to do that in our lives. From birth to grave, Lord, each and every one of us to learn what it means to walk by faith. And would you use us to shine in the darkness, your light, your love. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. All right, so uh, if, if uh, you don't remember, we've been kind of doing this whole faith series springing from Hebrews 11. So we'll put it on the screen, but if you did bring your Bibles, you can go to actually verse 5. That's where we, we left off from, from last week. And if you are a, uh, one of those teacher pet type, uh, you can find Genesis 5 and 6 as well because we'll be kind of going back and forth a little bit today because um, that's where Enoch and Noah's story can be found. And, and so uh, while you do that, 
couple of really quick commercials. First, I don't know if you noticed, but on the way out you may notice that we've added back our reception table, sort of, not quite the way it was pre-COVID. And so we know um, whether you're visiting us today or many of you maybe visited us since we had to reopen uh, in May. And so we, because of the whole germ issue, we took away our gifts that we typically give. So if you've been even been with us for months but didn't get a chance to get one of those, uh, we have water bottles for kids and we have books called The Case for Christ. If you've never read it, it's a great book to either read or give away to somebody. So feel free, even if you're like, wow, I've actually been coming here a number of months. Well, if it's been since May, you hadn't had that opportunity. And so please, we got plenty. So feel free to grab one of those. Um, adults, leave the water bottles for the kids. All right, you can, you can handle it. And secondly, uh, real quick, next week we're going to roll out signups for Easter. Can you believe that? That's coming like a locomotive train down the track. And um, we were talking about it as a staff, and I think it's going to be a unique challenge this year because um, by the first weekend of April, it, uh, more and more in our church family and in the community that typically maybe go to church on Easter uh, are going to be comfortable doing so in person, and yet we'll still most likely have restrictions. So we don't know. The potential is there that we'll add a fourth service. So that's why you can help us by saying, yes, I know which service that we're planning to go. That could change in a month. I get it. But when that rolls out, if you do us a favor and say, yeah, we're going to go to the 9 or we're going to go Saturday or we're going to go to the 11 and just sign up so we can kind of get a, okay, we're, we're filling up. We did something similar on Christmas Eve, and we did need to add that third service. So uh, we don't want to do it if we don't have to, but, but we're willing to so we can accommodate as many people as we can in this kind of transition time. So uh, that'll be rolling out next week. So be ready for it and do us that favor. We'd really appreciate it. So, okay. So um, as, we, as we launch into these two guys, we start with Enoch. And, and um, I, I want you, especially when we get to Noah, because there's not as much information in Genesis on um, Enoch, right? But Noah, like, I don't care what's your church background, you know or heard of Noah, right? So there's a lot more about him. I spent a number of years ago, several weeks preaching through Noah and so there's a lot there. And so we really just want to keep in mind the context of Hebrews. That's why we're talking about these guys, right? So that to really keep focused on why does the Hebrews writer bring these two guys up? And it's because of their faith, right? That's why he, and so he, if you remember, this writer is writing to a church full of Christians, kind of like us, except in that first century, and they're being persecuted because of their faith. And they're tired, and they're weary, and they're starting to give up. They're not gathering together, right? And they're losing kind of that faith. And so the Hebrews writer's like, we got to inspire you to get back to it. Nothing is greater than Jesus. And, and so he, he writes all the way, and he gets sort of towards the end of the letter, and he gets what we call this faith hall of fame, full of these people who live by faith, flawed and weak and tired individuals, just like the church he's writing to and just like us, right? And so we don't go to this Hall of Fame like if you're a huge tennis fan, you might go and say, wow, wasn't, you know, John McEnroe awesome, right? And, and, and just applaud his career and never thinking you could have a career like that, right? That's not what it's meant to do. It's meant to look at this Faith Hall of Fame and say, I can do that too. That's that, right, that they're just like us. I can grow in living by faith. And so if you look with me, verse 5, it says, By faith Enoch was taken up so that he should not see death. And he was not found. I love that. Where's Enoch? I don't know. Where'd he go? Right? Because God took him. Right? He says, because God had taken him. Now, before he was taken, he was commended as having pleased 
God. What a thing, isn't that? Like of all the things you want to be characterized or, or aspire to be in your life, is there anything better than to say you pleased God? Like I want someday to walk, if you're not sure how to pray for me, pray this, this way. Like that when Jamie goes into the kingdom of heaven, that maybe there's some angels that look and say, there goes Jamie. He pleased God. Maybe nobody really knew who he was, right? Except for people at his local church or the people, his family. But we know he pleased God. For you, he pleased God. She pleased God. That is what we're after, to be characterized that way. How did he please God? By faith, right? It wasn't some, you know, superstar a uh, faithful person, or uh, you know, Christian, or or godly man. He was a faithful man, and God worked that out in his life. and And you see it, and so much so, right, that that God took him. Verse six. And without faith, it is impossible to please Him. For whoever would draw near to God must believe that He exists, and that He rewards those who seek Him. So Enoch, by faith, believed God. Right. That's where it all starts drew near to God, like wanted a relationship with God, obeyed God, because you don't please God without obeying God, right? It doesn't happen. And, and it just went from there. That's how he's characterized. And again, this can be us. So what I want to do, it's not a lot of verses, but I'm going to travel us back in time to Genesis 5. And, and uh, it, it picks up in verse 21 where we hear of, actually, verse 20 before that, um, it tells us that Enoch was born. So we got that part already under our hat, but this context, okay, where Enoch is found is in one of those really boring genealogies, right? Have you ever read your Bible and been like, oh my gosh, why are these here? What do we need genealogies for? And they are pretty boring and tedious, especially when they're really long, full of names we can't pronounce, right? But they're always there for a reason. Right? The Bible is very historical, and, and there's always a point to it. And this is the first genealogy we have of Seth, okay? And so, Seth, if you remember, if you were with us last week, the first, you know, Cain, or, uh, Adam and Eve, they had a perfect, and they're in, in the garden, they sin, right? They're driven out, and now sin, like a toilet bowl, begins to permeate. And we see Cain and Abel, they're the sons of Adam and Eve. And Cain kills Abel. So now Cain is driven out. He's punished. Abel's dead. So the Bible teaches us that Adam and Eve now have Seth. And so now we see the line of Seth, and the seventh one is Enoch. But why is this genealogy so important? What does it teach us? Well, I'm not going to give it all to you, but it basically is very rhythmic. It's so-and-so lived, and they lived a long time before the flood, all right? They, they lived, they had a son, and then they die. Like that's pretty much what, what we're given by all of these guys. So why include that? Because it teaches us two really important things. The first is that the sin that came by Adam and Eve, right? The punishment is death. And that punishment is being carried out generation to generation, right? Death, 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 which is not very positive, but Genesis is teaching us this is happening, right? It's permeating. It's actually getting worse, as we'll see when we get to Noah. But it also teaches us, because in Genesis 3.15, God promised Adam and Eve that through your seed would come someone who will redeem us from sin and death. And that person, of course, will be Jesus Christ, God's son. 
but these sons have to be born to get there. So all the while, this genealogy teaches us death, yes, but God's promise through it. And he's going to get to Enoch, right? And Enoch is the only one who isn't going to die. Right? He's one of two that we know of. Elijah, he went up chariots of heaven, right? I don't know. Enoch was just taken by God. But in this generation, he's not. So it teaches us that by faith, God will save you from death, right? All of it points to Jesus, even way back in Genesis 5. And so you get this um, the, to, to Enoch, and it just says, when Enoch had lived 65 years, he fathered Methuselah. Enoch walked with God after he fathered Methuselah 300 years and had other sons and daughters. That seems like a long time. But in the comparison to the rest of these guys in his generation, it's not that long. He would have had a lot longer to go. But he, it just, instead of saying he lived and died, it says what? He walked with God. He walked with God. Verse 23. The, Thus all the days of Enoch were 365 years. Enoch walked with God. That's where it would have said he died in most of the other geneal, uh, guys in the genealogy. right? But here it says he walked with God. And he was not. Not that he died, he was not. For why? God took him. Like, what kind of life do you have to live where God's like, you know what? I need you with me. I don't, I don't think I'm there yet. How about you? Like, I just, you're just so living by faith, man. It's so, like, pleasing me. Like, I don't want to leave you in that generation anymore. It hurts. It's painful. It's dark. You know what? You're with me now. Like, that's pretty impressive. And, and that's what happened to Enoch by faith, right? That he drew near to God, he believed God, he walked with God. Okay, and so I'm going to bring us back now to Hebrews uh, 11 verse 7 where we meet the second guy that we're going to link together today. That's Noah. You've all heard of Noah, right? And, and so it's just simply again, the Hebrews writer says this, by faith, Noah, being warned by God concerning events as yet unseen, in reverent fear, constructed an ark for the saving of his household. By this, he condemned the world and became an heir of the righteousness that comes by faith. Right? So righteousness, not you cleaning your act up, stop going to bad movies and cut that out of your life and start doing that and you'll get right. No, no, no. Righteousness always comes by faith. Right? And so it did so for Noah. He believed God. He trusted God, the Hebrews writer says. Right? And, and how did he do that? By obeying him in such crazy ways. Right? If you remember, our very first concept in this faith hall of fame was that, that you believe God even though you don't see it. Right? I'm going to believe his promises. I'm going to believe he's there. I'm going to believe he's got me even if my life right now just doesn't show that. Right? So, so you see that with Noah. It's like he's told, hey, I'm going to flood the entire earth, right? and so you need to be ready and build this giant floating vessel, which was not made to go from point A to point B. It was made to save you while this deluge comes. And by the way, uh, this is not a myth. Jesus believed in the flood. Um, the, there's many Christian scientists who look at things through their worldview to see evidence all over the place. I did a major research project way back in seminary, and, and uh, I found, man, the evidence is incredible if you're looking for it, right? If you're trying to explain it away without 
uh, a God point of view. Yeah, you'll find all these other things. But man, the terrain, the world, and in ancient histories of all different civilizations, they all have flood stories, right? And they're independent of each other. Why? Because it traced back. Most of them have, besides the Bible, have mythical elements to it that grew over time. But they all trace back to a real event, this flood. All right, so, so God has told Noah this is going to happen, and he hasn't even seen a raindrop at this point. Right? This, that's not how it worked pre-flood. Right? So he's like, I'm going to bring so much water that it's going to wipe everything out. You need to start building this boat. Like, while everyone else is looking at you like, you are nuts. Right? Are you going to believe God and obey God or not? And by faith, Noah believes and Noah obeys. And so I'm not going to give you the whole story because you know most of it, but I'm going to take us again back to Genesis. This time we're going to go to chapter 6. And I'm going to start us in, in verse 5. See how this plays out. The Lord saw that the wickedness of man was great in the earth and that every intention of the thoughts of his heart was only evil continually. So that darkness, right? God was grieved how the sin, right, of, of Adam and Eve, remember we saw it in Cain last week, he murders, and it's just going to get worse and worse and worse. And now, people, the whole generation, just, they have no regard for each other, and they have no regard for God. They, they think they are God, right? And it's just so bad that God is grieved by this, right? But, a couple of verses later, verse 8, it says, but Noah found favor in the eyes of the Lord. His faith found favor. He was so grieved by the wickedness, but then he sees this one guy, right? This Noah, who what? He's still going to church. Imagine going to church. It would have looked very differently for Noah, but imagine going to church, and you're, every weekend you get up, you get ready, you probably drag your family like some of you do today, right? You probably brought his wife and his, and his, and his kids, and you go to church every single uh, week, and you're the only one there. You're literally the only one. There's no pastor there. There's no staff. There's no greeters. There's no anyone. How depressing is that? That literally you look around and you want to trust God. You want to believe God. You want to do what God says. And yet, no one else is. In fact, they mock you for it. They persecute you for it. Right? They come against you for it. That was Noah's life. That he's, he's called to, to obey God in this, and yet he's looking around, and he, he, he sees, well, I could go over here where everyone else is living this way, is sinning this way. Man, sin is so easy to excuse when everyone's doing it, right? It must be okay. Noah could have gravitated to that. He could have came over here where the riches and glories of this life are found, and he forsook all of that. Right? He could have uh, went over here where he could have had the fame of the world and he could have had position and prominence instead of being ridiculed all the time. What kind of a moron builds this huge boat? What is this? Right? He could have had all of that. But Noah decided early on that God is enough. He's enough. Right? Oh, if we could wake up and realize in our lives God is enough. That's how it is. The cross is enough. Christ is enough. He's not just a part of all these other trinkets that we're after that never satisfy us. By faith, Noah said, God's enough. And the whole generation around him, they said, that how stupid to even believe in God. What a crutch. How old-fashioned to stand on his truth. And Noah said, 
God is enough. God's truth is enough. I will obey it even if no one else does. And you and I, we are in a generation that more and more, we are going to need to wake up every day and say, God's enough. That's it. You don't need to be a theologian, right? Just get up out of your bed. Some of you can spring up and some of you barely get out. And just say, you're enough today. That's you are enough, and I, your, your promises are enough, your commands are enough, your truth is enough, and if the whole generation around me goes the other way, I'm still going to church. I'm still worshiping you. I'm still trusting you, and I will still obey you. That's what Noah did. That's what made him righteous, positioned before God by faith. Because that generation around him They mocked him for years and years and years, right? What did God tell him? The the Genesis writer says, these are the generations of Noah. Noah was a righteous man. Blameless in his generation, Noah walked with God. It doesn't mean he was sinless, right? It means in within his generation, Noah shined like a star, not because he was some talented, awesome, you know, megachurch pastor or glorious gospel singer, but because he had faith and he didn't waver, right? So, so Noah is this righteous man. So God looks at him and he tells him, I, I'm going to do this. I want you to get all the animals and, and, and build the boat and, and, and this is going to happen. And so Second Peter tells us that Noah was a preacher of righteousness. The Hebrews writer, remember he said, by doing so, by believing God, obeying God, he saves himself and his family. And he condemned the world around him because they were all like, what are you doing? And Noah's like, look, you got to believe God. You got to turn back to God. And they're all just like, what a moron. Does that sound familiar to us? How many people maybe in your life who think you're a moron because you believe in a God? What a fairy tale. What a crutch you need. Right? And, and it's so hard because we're like, man, maybe they're right until we look at their life and realize they're, they're not right. Right? You, you, you at least have others. Right? We're, we got a group here. Right? That's a good thing. We can encourage each other. We're supposed to. Noah just had his family. But he didn't waver from that. And so it just simply says in verse 22, Noah did this. He did all that God commanded him. What a a beautiful, beautiful three words that you can easily miss if you're reading your Bibles. But fill in your name. Isn't that your prayer that that you pleased God? But fill in your name. Someday, Jamie did this. Did what? What did God call me to do? Not what did I decide, what did God call me to do? And if that means, you know, preaching the gospel at Cornerstone Church until like, I'm so old, you guys are like dragging me up here. Then fine. Some of you are like, please heaven no, right? Me too. But if that's what God wants, that's, I, then that's what I want, right? That, 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 that he just did it. Did what he called me to do. He calls you to the mission field. He calls you to a ministry. He calls you to, to raise your kids or be an influence in your grandkids' lives or, or you know, to whatever he's calling you to do that just simply it's said of you, you did this. You did it. You did all that God commanded you. And not just like hedging your bets and, and, and trusting God. This is why so many people are bored with the things of God. You don't understand what he's calling you to, a life of faith 
in the midst where it's going to be pain. It's going to be hard. It's going to be challenging. The Hebrews writer, that's his whole point. Don't shrink back. Noah didn't. Enoch didn't. You don't either. Get back, gather together. Whatever they're going to do to you, it's not worth giving up hope. By faith, be like Enoch and be like Noah. I will draw near to you, God, by faith and walk with you today by faith. So here's where I, I want us to land because I want it to really be as crystal uh, clear as possible for all of us in our lives. So I, I came up with this uh, sort of drawing, and actually it looked a lot worse when I drew it in my notebook, but I, sent, I took a picture of it and sent it to Steve, and he made a much better representation of this. Um, although I noticed right away it looks a lot like a sorry board. Did you see that? I don't know if you see the old sorry boards uh, there. Um, so you're safe if you get to draw near to God or, uh, never mind, I can't. All right. And, and so I want us to look at this for a little bit because I tried to, all right, what do we learn by faith between Enoch and Noah? What were they linked, right? Walking with God by faith. And so what I, I, I think is this, this idea of a faith circle. And the reason it's a circle is important. It never ends. Like, I don't know if there's anyone here, you've been a Christian for 50 years, you're like, I've arrived. Right? I, I doubt it, right? You've came here, you're like, man, I don't even know why I'm in church. Man, I got it figured out. Right? I'm as close to God as you can be. I'm obeying him in everything. And I'm drawing near to him in all different ways. I'm walking with God. I'm surprised he hasn't taken me up like he did, Enoch. I doubt there's any of us here like that, right? And so even if you're a strong, mature believer and have been for years, there's another level, isn't there? This side of heaven. And I even believe much looks much different. But even in the kingdom of heaven, you will be growing in how to draw even closer to God's presence, right? You won't have the struggle, the sin, the temptation, the weakness, the tears. Those will all be gone. But you will never get bored in heaven like, man, I know all there is to know. You're going to continually discover the glorious riches of God's presence, of Christ, and it's just going to be mind-blowing awesome. And it's never going to end. It's never going to get boring. So that's then. But what about today for us? And so we're all on that circle at some point, right? And, and as we saw, it doesn't start with you cleaning up your life, right? I'll go to church once I start cleaning up my life. No, 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 no. It starts always, right? Like Enoch, believing God. Like what, what, when you look back when they had fans at football games and you always had the big sign when the guy was, you know, the kicker was kicking the field goal, John three sixteen, right? right? For God so loved the world. People want someone to look that up. God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son, right? So that whoever believes in him will not perish but have eternal life. Jesus, I mean, there's so many different scriptures, but, but uh, he said a couple times, the gospel of John, truly, truly, I say to you, whoever believes in the one who sent me has eternal life. He said elsewhere, unless you believe I am he, you will die in your sins, Paul the Apostle wrote, whoever confesses with their mouth that Jesus is Lord and believes that God raised him from the dead will be saved. Right? The, the, the Hebrews writer, the same thing, like on and on. I could give you, you can go home and, and Google believe in God verses and you'll come up with hundreds. It starts there, right? It starts there. Your journey, if you've never believed in the Lord Jesus Christ, that's where it has to start. Right? That's where it has to start. And then, you see, draw near to God. James wrote, draw near to God and he will draw near to you. 
What does this mean? Desiring a relationship. I want to pray. I want to worship. I want to go to church. I want to uh, get in a Bible study, get in a group where people are praying. I want to serve him. I want to just grow. I want to start memorizing scripture, whatever that might mean, all those different spiritual disciplines. I want to draw near. And as you believe and as you draw near, right now you begin to find things in your life where God's calling you to give that up and to start doing that, obeying him. Right? Enoch and Enoch was blameless. Noah obeyed some crazy things about God that he told him to do. And then kind of that, that last over there at uh, 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 the walk with God on the left part of the screen. And, and that just means that because you're drawing near to him, you believe him, you're obedient to him, now you're enjoying his gifts, his presence, and powerful ways, right? And you just notice, man, I'm different. Things are different. You walk with God. But then, it's not like you've arrived there. You're Enoch, right? It's now on an even deeper level. Like, you, you might, a crisis hits or something hits in your life. You believe God. Right? So, so think of it this way, right? Um, if, you, if, if you can remember when you first came to Christ, right? And, and, and for some of us, that was a while ago. But we definitely have people in the church that's very recent. Um, and... And it's just, isn't it great to see someone who's new to knowing Christ and believing? It's like, they're just so excited. And they, and they inspire us when we start getting a little mm, run down by the world. But I've had many conversations, right? So they believe in the Lord Jesus and they just know something's different. But they're like, I have no idea where to begin. Right? So where do I, so you give them a Bible. And I've had that conversation. Here's what you, where you can start. Here's a good Bible. Here's what you're going to do. Right? Maybe they'll go to a prayer group for the first time and say, I'm really nervous about praying with others, but I'm going to do it. Because why? I want to draw near to God. I've never done that before. I want to come to church. What are these people doing? Do I sing? Do I, what do I do? Right? You're, you're looking to draw near to God for the first time. And, and what might be considered a remedial level, but it's so beautiful. And then you start to see, wow, there's things in my life that I thought were fine. Everyone around me uses profanity, but I, I'm, I don't want to talk like that. God's calling me away from that. Right? Everyone jokes, all my friends joke about how pornography is fine. And now I'm just seeing it as a horrible just attack on God's holiness. And, and I need to get help for this. And well, you know, those things start to happen. You don't do those first. You do those as you believe God, draw near to God. Now you start to obey God. Or you're like, you know what, I want to serve. I want to, right, and you see new believers are always like, man, I, I want to be here every time the church is open. I want to, uh, what can I do, right? Because you're, you're looking to obey God. And then from there, you begin to walk with God. You just experience his gifts and his abilities. But then, maybe a crisis hits or, or something hits all of us where it's hard to believe God. I have a, um, a, a friend who's an older pastor. He probably wouldn't want me to call him that, but... Facts are facts. It's not Bob, by the way. Um, and and uh, he's not old. Don't tell him I said that. Um, and he told me a story. When he was a pastor, even he was younger than me, so it was, it was earlier in his career, and he had one of those really horrible times where his church, um, just there was conflict, and they just threw him out. And it was just like he wasn't expecting it. He thought he was called to be there for a long time, and now he was without a ministry, without a job. His family, his young kids at, t- at the time, and he told me, man, it wasn't like he had a crisis of not believing God, but he was just really hard to believe him through this, right? And, and he said, what I did was I said, God, I'm going to believe that you have called me. And he spent, like, you know, that 
short few weeks, months, couple of months where he was not sure where to go. And he just camped out in the Psalms. He'd read the Psalms before, but now he really read them. Right? Psalms of lament, Psalms of praise, Psalms of thanksgiving. And he just, he wept over them. He prayed through them. And, and he just drew near to God in a different and special way. And then came a call to another church, but he had to get up and move quite a ways away. And he obeyed God in that. And then he walked even deeper. Do you see how it works? So wherever you're at, this is for you and for me. Right? Maybe you're not a Christian and, and, and you're like, you've come here for a while and you're just like, I want to believe, right? That's, I, that could be you. Thank you for being honest. I'm not saying, yeah, I pretend to believe. I, I kind of want to. It seems awesome, but I'm just not sure I do. Like I was reading the other day in Mark where, do uh, you remember the story where, where uh, uh, Jesus' uh, disciples, they're trying to help this poor guy's son. He's trying to kill himself because he's demonically possessed. And they're just, he's just, the father's desperate. And the disciples are like, they try to drive him out and they can't. Jesus comes up and, and he says, all right, what, what we got here, right? And, and the, the father's like, well, if you can help. And Jesus is like, if? You need to believe. And the father's like, I do, right? I, I, I do believe. Help me with my unbelief. You ever been there? Like, I, I do believe, but I don't believe, and I need your help. So maybe that's you, man. You just, you can ask God. I want to believe, and I'm not there. Help me. Show me. He will. I believe that, right? And, and, and that still works for you, even as a Christian. If there's something in your life, it's a, uh, a, a, a financial issue, a, an issue with a wayward grandchild who's just not living the way they should and you don't know what to do about it or something in your marriage or something uh, you're, you're, you're without a job or there's a health crisis or all of those things where, man, I've got to believe God through this. I've got to believe him and, and I need his help with my unbelief. And so maybe for you, it's, it's drawing near. Like you've, you, you, you've, you're kind of one of those that studies, right? You love to study the scriptures, and maybe God's saying, hey, draw near to me and camp out in the Psalms or, or in the gospel and just feel your way through it for a while. Let me speak to you. For you, that's like really weird. It's a weird new way to maybe draw near to God. Or you're the opposite. Like you love to feel, 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 but you never dig deep. And God's like, come on, dig deep and study something once, right? You can learn some things from me. Or maybe it's memorizing scripture. Or maybe it's just praying with others. You've never done that. Or maybe it's when you come to church, you actually sing. You used to think that was dumb, and now you're like, you know what? I think I want to sing. I'm not even sure what my voice sounds like, but we're going to give it a shot. That's all a new level of drawing near to God, right? Or it's obey God, right? There's, as you do that, God shows you things in your life where you're just not being obedient, all right? You've excused it away. Or he's called you to do something kind of, you know, like, really, God? I don't know if that's, you're talking to me. Like, I don't think he's going to call you to build a boat, most likely. I hope not. Let me know if he does. We've got to talk, all right? But I think, hey, answers in Genesis, they built a huge boat, right? So God called them to do it, to give us a replica of the ark. But I, I, I doubt that. But maybe he's calling you to something else radical. And you're like, that seems a little extreme to me. We have a big extreme God, right? And so... If there's something he's calling you out of or calling into, what is that? And, and really walking with God is just enjoying his presence and saying, wow, what fruit he's given me, what gifts he's given me, what opportunities he's given me. Right? We, can get, we can take that for granted. And so I want us to, to land today. I'm going to invite our, our singers up. 
Um, if you've been with us the last few weeks, we've, we kind of learned in Lamentations to have a time to let God uh, work on us, okay? And once we track them down, there they are. Um, they're going to play in the background, but I, I want to give you an opportunity, right? So you can close your eyes if you want when we do this, or maybe you just want to look at this. Um, we're going to email and text this out to a few people asked last night and uh, uh, tonight or tomorrow or something, and, and that way you have it and you can kind of uh, pray through that. And, and it's just a visual to say, in my cycle of faith, wherever I am, what does God want me to do? Focus on. Could be one thing, could be a couple of things, right? Maybe it's believing in Christ for the first time. Maybe it's, um, welcome, Steve. Thanks for joining us. Appreciate that. Um, <laughs> he can handle it. It's fine. Um, and, and so maybe it's that, or maybe, um, like, you need a fresh way to draw near to him. Like, you've just been doing the same thing, and God's showing it's time to, you know, memorize scripture or, or do something else. Um, or the obedience. We all know that. That could just be something God's working on you. Or maybe, the very least, you're just sitting with the walk with God section. You're just like thinking about all that God has blessed you with, right? He's given you so much, and that God is enough. His cross is enough. And maybe that's you today. Maybe a lot of those things. Um, so it'll probably extend into your week as you pray this week. But I want all of us to, man, be just be found to live by faith, to walk with God. Every one of us. That's my prayer. Not that we're superhumans and we're famous. That we, that, that, that God would look at us and say, yes, you pleased me. Right? Don't please him too much. I don't want you guys disappearing on me, all right? But yes, that we please God. All right, I'm going to start us with prayer. And then I'm just going to give you a few minutes to, to do that. Father, I pray you'd settle us in this room today. It's not easy. We're getting a little bit used to doing this, but in our fast-paced, busy world, Lord, we, we want to move on to the next thing. But God, I, I, there's a lot here, and, and I pray that you would give us these few minutes today to start something you'll do the rest of this week with us, to show us where we are in our faith. Now, Lord, if there's just someone here who needs help with their unbelief, that they would put their faith in Christ, that he died for them, that he rose for them in victory, that he's the only way, that today would be that day they just confess you and ask for you to save them. For the Christians that are here that, that have done that, remind us of the joy of our salvation, the joy of the gospel, and remind us, God, you are enough. We don't need, we're thankful for the blessings you give us. They're worldly. We are, but we don't need them. We need you, more of you. Show us where we need to believe you, some circumstance in our life. Show us how to draw nearer to you. Show us where you're asking us to obey you. Remind us of the beauties of the gospel and just how we already walk with you. Whatever anyone here needs, give it to them. In Jesus' name.
Father, I just I, I feel called to just pray for whoever in this room, if it's one or two or however many people that need your help with unbelief. Oh God, I pray again, just give us the strength and the courage to believe on our campuses, in our schools, in our workplaces, at home, in our communities, in our churches, to believe even if everyone around us falls away, we will stand firm, walk with you by faith, continue to reveal these areas and give us a joy to obey you, a joy to stand out and be different, be your people, saved by your grace because you are enough, God. Your your son, our Lord Jesus, is enough and the cross that he died for us is enough. The empty tomb is enough. You coming back for us is enough. And we, God, need your help to stand firm in that. Every one of us, Lord. We ask this for your help. In Jesus' name. And all God's people said, amen. Let's stand and sing.